Welcome, friends. This is Cindy Silva with the Metaphysical Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Mark Fiorentino. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I invited Mark on the show because we're both interested in metaphysical topics and uh, Mark has written a book and he's a metaphysical researcher and um, just thought we'd have a chat today for the benefit of all and uh, see what's arising in the field that wants to be known. I'd love to have you share, Mark, about uh, what brought you to writing the book and um, yeah, what's what's the most passionate part <laughs> of the metaphysical realm for you right now? Oh, okay, sure. Well, it, it started when I was very young. I mean, I didn't set out in life to write this book. It just sort of happened over the life experience over about 45 years, starting from maybe when I was 10 or so. And I found some interesting things about Albert Einstein, which was actually triggered. I, I didn't know anything about him until the nuns that were I went to church. The, the catechism class asked us to find a saint born on our birthday, and I couldn't. There was no internet in 1965, so I asked my parents, and when they didn't know anything, I went to the calendar and found out I was born on the same day as Albert Einstein. Oh, isn't that something? <laughs> so I went to the encyclopedia that we had, and I read about Einstein, and um, I read about um, the unified field theory, which captivated me. I just It just resonated with me. And so from that point on, I, I got a great interest in science, which eventually led to an interest in UFOs uh, and physics and uh, looking for anyone who might have the solution for the unified field theory that Einstein was working on up until the day of his death. So that's kind of the starting story. There's more things that happen after that. Um, psychic predictions and so forth that something would be coming in special in my later years, an invention or a discovery or something like that, that worked on the back of my mind a little bit, but I lived a pretty normal, just a regular life and I was happy with it. I really was, I was, you know, I had my ups and downs as most people do. And then when I retired, I got to the point where I wanted to do something that I had these ideas about this theory, the theory of super relativity uh, from all my years of research and so forth. I decided to write about everything in my notes and what I had and put it all together in one place and wound up being a 500 page book. <laughs> <laughs> I trimmed it down three or four paragraphs. It was even bigger than that and um, wrote it for the layman. So that, you know, there are a few parts that I warned that are, you know, a little bit higher math and physics and the physicist could read that part. But for the most part, it's for the layman to understand how this universe really works. And that's basically the driving force behind the book was to really answer some fundamental questions that physics teachers and physicists steer away from uh, because of the quantum mechanics and the theories of quantum mechanics, they've been led astray. And I, I point that out in my book. Uh, you know, Einstein tried to rein them in back in starting in mm, about 1915 after the, the theory of general relativity. Uh, and he debated with Niels Bohr for many years, trying to get them to realize, realize that classical physics was the right road and right path and not quantum mechanics but it didn't work out that way they went the other road and so here we are today i'm the lone metaphysician trying to guide the the intelligent highly intelligent mass group of physicists back in the right direction because they've kind of lost their way so that's kind of what the book's all about and Mainly, I, I offer the solution for the unified field theory that Albert Einstein was working on in the book. And then I wrote a paper, two papers that I put on ResearchGate that help to back up what's in the book and formalize it 
in a way that physicists could use the math that I put in. And I'm not particularly that great at math, but when it came to this model, I, I trained myself, I hired physicists to train me on certain equations, rederiving them so that I could understand them thoroughly and put them in this paper. And they did work just as I had imagined them to work so that I could predict the mass of particles like the neutron and proton, which really quantum mechanics doesn't really do. And, uh, and this is what had to be done in order to prove the theory of where the origin of mass, gravity, and inertia. So that's how I got into it. And that's kind of a brief history of my, my story up to this point. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'm going to show your website here in a minute. I just want to share um, Albert Einstein is someone I quote often. And one of the things I thought of as you were speaking about your passion for this understanding the universe is something that I heard. I don't think I read it. I heard someone say that once Einstein was asked, why is he working so hard on this, you know, these equations and really pushing himself to um, these discoveries is he said he wanted to understand how the old man thinks referring <laughs> to the universe yeah uh, yeah that's true i think that's true bug. i could i i it actually inspired me and i know the i'll tell you exactly what he said okay good. It inspired me to seek out something called the signature of god which something that Einstein was looking for. It was a dynamical geometry. Uh, he never called it the signature of God. But what you're referring to is he once said, I want to know how God created this world. I'm not interested in this or that phenomena, in the spectrum or this or that element. I want to know his thoughts. The rest are just details. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically... He wanted to understand how it all worked. There's just certain people that are very curious and want to get to the truth. And, and I, I, I followed his path. I freely and proudly admit that I just took up where he left off. See, he would have solved this had he been born 50 years later. He was missing some key information that he needed in order to find the signature of God, the dynamical geometry, which is the basis for the formation of gravity, how particles make their mass and their gravity. And uh, if he had been born later, he would have known about the quarks inside of the neutron and proton, which I used to uh, compute and figure out how exactly particles get their mass. Thank you. Yes, I, I wanted to, yeah, we'll get to that point about the question being, what did you, and taking on where he left off, what did you discover that he hadn't revealed? But before we do that, let me share your website so people can get a sense of your, your book and a free paper that you're offering on your website. This happens to be your, your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. The Awakening Theory of Super Relativity at the Unified Field. So you can um, look Mark up on YouTube and subscribe to his channel for information on that. And let's see, here's, here's the website. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, what's on the website. If, when people come here, where would you suggest they go first? Okay, yeah. Acquainted with your work. Well, I put the, I highlighted the main buttons. There's a menu on the top, but the main, the buttons here, the, the red and the purple and the brown and the orange are the main things uh, that you could shoot right through. Looking at the book trailer, I think is very inspirational and very good for people to see. I worked on that video with a, a guy that I hired on the internet who does a lot of video stuff. I had a vision. He brought that vision to life. And um, of course, there's a couple links to, to buying the book on Amazon and the Kindle ebook as well. And uh, you could buy a signed book from me from this website. 
And of course, there's a link to my YouTube channel if you want to watch some of my videos and to see what the book's all about and, about and the theory of super relativity. And I included a link most recently, the big orange button there, the Unified Field Theory Research Paper. There's two of them on ResearchGate so that scientists, engineers can review my work and make up their minds from themselves based on the factual information that I provide in those papers. The first paper uh, was done actually years before. And strangely enough, I generated the one number I needed in order to complete the second paper. And I didn't realize that it was going to be so critical until years later when I was writing the second paper for the unified field theory. And I realized I need the speed of the quarks inside of the atom, inside of the neutron and proton. And I had that number and I was able to use it to complete the second paper. And here we have the, the book and there's some topics here I've highlighted with a, a, a list, uh, unified field theory solution. What is the origin of mass? That is really not currently known until this book. I give high detail explanation of where mass comes from, where the gravitational field comes from and what it actually is. And that's the mechanical explanation I talk about next. Uh, for the autonomous motions of some subatomic particles. Can we break the light speed barrier? That's what I start to get into. As I make these discoveries, it's, it's expanding outward. So I, I realized how particles move. Then I realized how to break the light speed barrier, which is developing something called the slip wave spatial bias drive. Uh, then I talk about the primary real forces of nature. And um, any gravity field, I eventually get to that. Once you know how gravity works, then any gravity falls out of the, the works. And it is obvious that if gravity is nothing more than a contraction of space, anti-gravity must be an expansion of space. So I discovered the way to cause space to contract. And then I found the way through examining the particles, how they could be used, specifically the electron, to create an anti-gravity field using a very powerful magnetic field, which then links up with the observations of the US Air Force and other people who have examined uh, website, um, not websites, uh, landing sites where UFOs have landed and found that the grass at some of these locations that the UFO landed at was magnetized. Uh, so that was an indication of a high intensity magnetic field. And that's very important to realize. And I, as a kid, I wondered, I noticed that. I said, somehow, some way, I'm going to figure out how magnetism creates an anti-gravity field. And so that's basically the list of things that uh, we talked about. Oh, there was a couple of other discoveries like a really powerfully important one is that I discovered that the sun and all stars are created by um, having a solid core that's made of neutronium. This is something they will discover eventually. They will prove this to be true. And that will make, uh, that will be big news because their current theory of how stars work does not make sense and they know it. And my theory, my explanation makes perfect sense. And the evidence that's out there backs it up. Thanks for that. I, you caught my attention when you talked about gravity and anti-gravity. And you said that the uh, gravity is basically a contraction of space and anti-gravity is an expansion of space. And um, being someone who's a practitioner of Qigong, we often work with the hands and the magnetism in the hands moving energy through the field to create space. And after we practice, we feel a sense of levity in our body, like an anti-gravity space. Well, this this could be what it sounds like to me what, what aliens do, advanced races do to some, you're on the threshold, you're on the beginning of that journey that's something that they do uh, through their greater psychic abilities. 
they they can manipulate this world, this region. And, you know, people have reported aliens can go through walls and and do things with matter that that seems like godly superpowers or, or magic to where we are now. But you're on the beginning of that journey by developing skills and talents that are latent in our 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 minds right now and then our, you know we're just at the very beginning of reaching out and growing spiritually which is going to lead to great discoveries like what you're speaking of mm -hmm. uh, so keep doing that uh, but in my theory to to relate to you what you're talking about space is a real thing it exists in this objective reality it was once known and called the ether and in my book, I go back and I prove that the ether does exist. Uh, in 1905, a great mistake occurred and they lost faith in the ether, which took us away from the truth. So the thing that you're manipulating and the thing that I manipulate to create anti-gravity is the ether, which is a quasi-elastic solid, quasi meaning if you apply a force to it like magnetism and you remove that force that space snaps back into a euclidean flat geometry you know you can picture the grid going up and then nice and flat and even but when the magnetic field goes there or a gravitational field goes there it bends and conforms mm -hmm. to that force field which is a deformation of the ether space so and, and it's a solid, which means this thing is continuous. That's the, the deepest meaning of the word solid. Most people think, well, that's impenetrable. That's something. No, solid means something that is continuous. It is not made up of parts. It is one single thing that can be, it's elastic, so it can be stretched some, it can be twisted some. There's certain deformations or bendings that, will affect it and when you do that then the forces emerge as a result of those ways of bending that space yeah. so that's it basically that's the the beginning of the theory of super relativity and i build upon the one true and important fact that the ether does exist space is a real thing yeah and the tradition i was speaking of it would they would call, refer to it as chi. They say there is no such thing as empty space. Space right. is full. Of yes. They yeah. would call chi or universal life force energy. Yeah, there's a lot of different names, you know, the force and <laughs> in Star Wars, chi. I like that one. Uh, the Indians, what did they call it? I want to say Manitou or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, there's different names for this that intuitively people have picked up and know that that is what is really true. That's why we have time in this realm. Mm -hmm. If space weren't a real physical thing, you would not be able to, we would not be able to observe time intervals. Right. Because quite frankly, distance equals rate times time. And if distance is an empty void, like many physicists think today in outer space, then that distance or, or the outer space would be equal to zero, would have a value of zero, which cannot be. Because if space were a truly empty void, we could travel anywhere through it in zero time because there's nothing there. It would take no time to traverse that distance because there's nothing there. And that never happens. It takes light eight and a half minutes to get to Earth. Why? Because it's going through and within something, and that takes time. So now time emerges as a result of a real physical distance. So the equation will make sense. And that's just that simple is why we have physical real time that we can observe here with our consciousnesses. On the other side, uh, and I mean the afterlife, well, time doesn't seem to really exist there. God and, and the people who have passed on or are in that realm, they're outside of time. And it appears to me 
I'm still researching this, but it appears to me that consciousness and the energy there is not a physical form. So that makes it possible for them because they're, you know, we can figure the or view the sphere of reality outside of the realm of the spirit realm as something they could look at and poke into anywhere they want because right. it's all happening at once on the other side so they can see the past they can see the future they can see any point at any time anywhere it's all happening in parallel from yeah. their point of view i think so I, yeah i've heard of it in terms of um like consciousness is everything right everywhere and and all these forms are just vehicles for consciousness and the way that consciousness reveals itself is in physical form is through space and time through the mind it reveals and then it plays this hide and seek you know <laughs> by entering yeah. form and and um revealing itself but it couldn't do that if there wasn't space and time that's like the container for seeing the all the thing that is everything as something individual or or unique and separate from itself as all other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we, we agree pretty much that this reality is inside of God. And, and there's even people, many people from, who have had near-death experiences who describe this and kind of agree with what we're saying. And I, and I have one on my website, Father Rick Wendell, who went through a dramatic near-death experience and was told by he was in front of you know looking at god and god says to him there's basically one commandment for man and that commandment is love one another if we did that if we could enforce that and we could actually do that all problems would be solved in this world now what he says about the physical reality is this all of this three-dimensional world is within God. There is nothing outside of God. Everything within this physical universe has to correspond to laws, and God set those laws. They are immutable as God is immutable. None of this, what we see and experience, is an accident. It is intentioned by God. That's the key word. I use that word in my book. How he created the universe was through the power of intention. And that I wrote before I learned about this uh, uh, Rick Wendell uh, NDE. So I resonated when I read that. It says, yes, it is. The power of intention is real. Time does not really exist. God is outside of time. We have a perception of time in the physical world. That perception changes according to our circumstances. Mm -hmm. how we observe the time intervals right. and where we are in the time segment and maybe that that ten you know the the time intervals are the tension and the word intention like where we place our thought into the tension of like the opposites and the polarity of this dimension and the space and the time and that there it's an architecture right there's there's architecture to that there's shape and shape has function yeah structure there structure. is we have a structure yeah, yeah. Uh, and and because particles have structures they have behaviors and properties mm -hmm. and, and so all of this is like a ballet of the mind of the consciousness of god you can just imagine the universe and you can see all the particles close your eyes and see all the particles dancing around and bouncing off each other there are no accidents everything is intention everything is determined the religions at least have that part right mm -hmm. it's when you get into quantum mechanics and all this other stuff that they lose they don't have the faith most for the most part many of them are atheists or agnostic so they don't have the faith or the understanding of what's really happening. So they think the world is random mm -hmm. and emerges from nothing. And, and you can't emerge from nothing. There's nothing to emerge from. So that argument really breaks down. And when people hear it, they don't buy into it. I've heard 
scientists try to make that argument. And time and time again, the host of the show is shaking his head and is arguing with them about that because it makes no sense. And the key issue here is, does the universe make sense or is it just a random glitch that you know just happens and does whatever it wants? And it's not going to prove out that way you know in the end you know if we're going to evolve we have to really understand what's happening Mm -hmm. and and it's all through determinism and the power of attention uh, intention with here's the key thing with the ability for people consciousnesses who are alive here that have free will that's a very important ingredient in this mix we have to be able yeah we have to be able to make our own choices and and in this realm there's a dualism sort of you know we we have we make judgments and stuff and that kind of leads us astray a lot and to evolve we'll have to learn how to not do that so much and do what makes sense what's right which and determine that you know without judgment well, you and I, little conversation before we came on today about some of the topics. And um, one of them that I selected was on perspective. And I feel that when it comes to free will, you know, choosing our perspective is number one, because I had a teacher once tell me, you know, perspective isn't everything. It's the only thing. Huh. <laughs> and so when we're when we have free will, I think the the first thing to really choose is our perspective on something that we might be encountering that we don't understand or we don't like or we're resisting. That if we're if we're getting all tight and tense about it in in relationship in a conflict to it, then nothing is going to be flowing. There's not going to be a, any inspiration, and so to change our perspective in a way that gets things flowing again, like being curious. I think that's the number one, uh, I would say, uh, trait of the universe of consciousness is it's curious, curiosity. And to to match that frequency and to be, to know that it is, you are consciousness, that is what's happening here. And to let that be the, the identity instead of this individual who can't see the bigger picture to acquiesce to that which can and be informed by that really literally informed yeah be absorbed into that i i call that knowledge by infusion ah, um, i love that yeah it, it's just that's the highest form of intelligence when you just know and you know because it's directed through spirit uh, into your mind via intuition, if you want to call it that. And and it's the highest form of thinking. And I I tried to use that as much as I could when I was writing the book. I spent many hours between the uh, many nights between the hours of three and five in the morning when I was most relaxed to visualize how particles work, how gravity works, how, you know, all these different things. And I would just play them uh, graphically, visually in my head uh, knowing that I was getting help, that we all do. We all have guardian spirits, guardian angels, uh, spirit guides, whatever you want to call them, that if we accept that they are real and they want to help us and we open up to that, you know, open up our perspective, uh, they will help and they will pass you information. And to use that power, that ability will help us advance greatly all of us uh, each and every individual and we can raise the consciousness of the entire world by practicing that kind of philosophy that kind of uh, method of learning along with the you know the more common types but uh, expanding that's it's all about expanding the mind and the consciousness mm. yes you mentioned that about you know, connecting to these uh, streams of consciousness that we could call angels or archetypes or um, aliens, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're 
character and the architecture themselves, just like our human form is a, a vehicle and an architecture for a unique quality of consciousness. And so are these other non-physical forms of, um, you could even call them geometries or some kind of a, um, a vehicle that has a particular vibrational quality that transmits specific kinds of information. So I'm kind of getting this image of um, like a satellite dish sort of, you know, scanning and picking up the signal where it can download a specific piece of information and it finds that signal and then it pauses and it just lets that transmission receives it, right? It's yeah. Like we, we have that capacity to dial in and track the information that's trying to get to us, but it's not coming from, in my opinion and experience, something outside of us. It is us. We're all, it's all, you know, like you said, we're in the mind of God. It's all. Yeah, we're all connected. One. Yeah. So it's just yeah. about connecting to the aspect of ourself in a form that has the information for us. And it could be like you and I having this conversation, you have information. I have information and we're exchanging it, right? Uh -huh. And then to do that with um, a tree or, you know, a river or an angel or whatever, that it's all consciousness that has a specific perspective on the totality. And I feel like when we're in flow, we'll automatically attract to us that form of consciousness that has that piece of information that's trying to get to itself in order to see more, to, to awaken to yourself as the totality. Yeah, I, that reminds me of certain things that have happened at night when I'm, it hasn't happened in quite a few years now, but when I was single before I got married to my current wife now, um, there was a, a, a part of a very, you know, hard area the seven years between my divorce and remarriage that you know I struggled a lot and at night every once in a while I would have this I would wake wake up sort of like but there was a buzzing I could hear something and I could in my brain actually felt kind of funny it was and, and during this time, and you know, I'm, I'm awake and looking around, but I feel like I'm in a very delta-like state of some sort of extreme relaxation. Um, it's like tuning a radio, and I could like hear things like the past, like a radio going off in old baseball games, and I try to focus on this thing or that. I could hear, you know, certain things that were going on. It was like I was able to connect. Uh, and in some way, I was tuning in, and occasionally I could uh, see and hear things while I was in this state that usually only lasted for 30 seconds to a minute or so. And, and it's kind of backing up, you're saying that, that the consciousness needs to be able to tune to the frequencies, if you want to call them that, it's probably an oversimplification of some other pattern of consciousness or a reality that we can connect to and retrieve information and exchange ideas and so forth. So that's part of what we as humans are going to have to learn along with increasing our technology and our knowledge of things that are technical and physical, uh, the spiritual part. And part of what I'm trying to do in this book is re reunite religion and science because really science comes about the laws of physics according to god himself uh, who has talked to many people uh, uh, in near-death experiences and said what i said father rick wendell said he just really confirms that since the creator is the origin of creation and we're studying that now in physics and science it's good idea to go to the person who is the creator and ask them the questions if you can. And that's what we're talking about by doing the practicing the connections and the way to connect to that higher consciousness. And we can get really good information from the source 
of all things. And, and I think it would help science greatly if they started to learn how to do that and not just simply rely on abstract thinking and uh, uh, formal equations that really don't have any kind of a meaning behind them, especially quantum mechanics equations, which are basic, basically in probabilities. And, and probabilities can't ever tell you how anything actually works. You have to have a model, a mechanical model that explains it. Since we're in the mechanical universe, <laughs> you need a mechanical model and you can't really get that from quantum mechanics. So this is a higher form we're talking about, a way to communicate and get real important information that helps us solve problems, things that we can apply. That's what I tried to do in this book. The book is filled with ideas that came about using this method that I just basically stumbled upon over my years of struggle and trusted that, hey, there is an afterlife. There is a God. Yeah. This reality is all a part of that. And we are all one. We are all connected. Yeah. And that's what everybody finds out when as soon as they pass away and they say, hey, I'm, I can, I can, this one guy said, um, he was exploring the universe and he could go anywhere in an instant. See, when they're, when you're made of something that's not physical, you're, you, you can travel infinitely fast. You can travel through time and he could see other universes. He said, which was very striking. He said, I became aware of every grain of sand on every planet in the entire universe. And I knew its function, each grain's function, its position, its purpose. That's the kind of knowledge you can get when you really connect in. So keep practicing what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. I'm already overwhelmed with too much information. Yeah, <laughs> but, I agree. Um, that's an overwhelming thing when we're in this uh, physical body. It's just like, I can't I don't want to know everything. <laughs> you can't conceptualize it, but I do. Yeah. I do feel a, an Einstein quote coming on, and um, based on what you were saying about getting information to solve problems, because the famous quote that's often um, repeated that he said was, "You can't solve problems from the same level of thinking that created them," and information is state bound, right? It has to do with the brainwave frequencies and where we're residing you know in the high beta on constant distractions we're not going to get the quality of information you're talking about we have to get underneath that so i, I see it like the ocean you know on the surface the wind is um, affecting the surface tension of the water and there's waves and then you go deeper there's still movement you can feel it um, but it's not as rough and you go deeper yet, and then you get into the depth of the ocean and it's there's movement, but it's barely moving. And this is like getting into the subconscious, right? Where that um, access is to the solutions that you're talking about come from the collective unconscious, right? Um, of course, there's, there's um, other kinds of experiences there, but the, um, it just feels like that that's, the challenge of the day because we're so distracted and addicted to the information that's more just um, stimulation, but no, it's sort of like um, mind candy, not soul food. <laughs> it's the appearance of things that are, <laughs> we're fooled by the physical realm. And as soon as you come into the body and you're born, it affects your our thinking. We we become materialistic. We you know we we are distracted mm -hmm. from that which is true and real, and become you know sidelined with you know playing video games or pursuing uh, gold and silver and and riches and fortune and fame or whatever it is, and we kind of lose our way. And, and that happens all the time. And that's part of the life experience for many. But for those lucky few that can remember why they came, uh, the mission, the task that was assigned them, everyone before they were born, that's the key. That's what another near-death guy said when he, he had a, um, what do you call it, a uh, tour 
the pre-birth process. And uh, we go to classes, each and every one of us. I don't care, 8 billion, all of us. I don't care what religion you are. On the other side, you know, there's the one main religion, I guess you call the universal, you know, infinite intelligence, God, whatever you want to call them. And we go through this training classes. We, we uh, swear, we raise our right hand and swear we're going to try and remember what it is we came to do in this lifetime. Lots of people get distracted, you know, and there's no judgment against that. You know, you, you do the best you can, and there's always something to be learned. It's a free will process, which we wouldn't have any other way. Right. And some of us who are lucky, we remember and we accomplish a great deal. That's, that's our mission. That's what we all have to do. I'm just trying to do my part. You're trying to do your part, having these shows I do my part being on these shows and talking about this stuff and trying to help people progress. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to laugh just saying that, like, nowadays, we can't even remember what we went in the grocery store for, let alone what we came I'm Very absent-minded myself. That's another story. No. I just I, mean because all the, the mass, the weapons of mass distraction yeah that's a good one yeah i'm constantly walking into the other room and then i'll stand there and say what did i come in here for what happened you know my mind wanders quite a bit i got the absent-minded professor syndrome going on but uh yeah there's you know there's, to most people the only thing that's important is who's winning on american idol or who's going to win the super bowl and this stuff it's kind of a waste of time all the all the media and the entertainment stuff is a distraction for the most part uh and i tried not to get caught up in that when i retired like i said i was not gonna just sit in front of the tv and watch that all day i decided to try and do something uh something that is meaningful and gives my life meaning and is uh, hopefully helpful so i can leave something behind that may lead to some uh, eventually will lead to some great discoveries hmm. yeah there was something i was going to say and i lost my my thought so that that's a good example of how information is state bound you know it's kind of like when we dream we're in a particular state and then we wake up and we change states and we can't remember our dream because that information is in a different space and time if you will i don't know if that's accurate but um i hope it'll come back whatever wanted to be shared, if it's meant to, it will. But I'd like to make time for um, talking about perspective. We didn't really go into that yet, but it was one of the topics that we were going to talk about today. Mark, do you have anything you want to share about perspective? Anything well, I, yeah, I, I think for me, it's important to keep an open mind, to be curious, uh, most importantly, to keep an open mind, I'm going to repeat that because uh, that's important, to not be quick to judge, uh, to not take attacks personally. The more we can learn to avoid these things and just deal with what is and what's true and, um, you know, have respect for each other. And um, it's... It's been a long road for me to, to get there. I, I tell you, because I was just as human. <laughs> you know, I had a quick temper and um, when things didn't go right and so forth. And I still have to work on that sometimes. But just, you know, especially in this work, I have to just remain focused on the information and, and listening also, it's not just talking, you know, because I'm picking up a lot of clues by learning to listen to other people when they have ideas about something I'm talking about or something I'm wondering about. And, and so you got to, so people are, and especially in my line of work, which is trying to figure out how everything works and, and explaining it, uh, you got to keep an open mind to it and, and continually um remain in a state of um, peaceful awareness. Mm -hmm. 
you know, do, you know, meditation helps, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but try, yeah, try to connect to the infinite spirit God, uh, you know, religion basically was put on earth for, there are many roads to God. Uh, you could be Catholic, you could be Muslim, you could be Hebrew, you could be Hindu. It, these are just different highways to have a personal relationship with the creator, which is what the creator wants, you know. So I'm a theist. I believe that the God has wants to have and cares about each and every individual here on this planet and all other plants as well as the animals and everything, everything in nature. And uh, just bringing yourself to be aware of that, I think helps greatly in communicating back and forth with each other and, and just having a peaceful spirit that's going to say, no matter what happens, it's all going to be all right. Yeah, that's... It's all going to work out somehow. Yeah. Because there's a creator with a plan behind everything. And it's working on this planet right now. People are having near-death experiences at record levels. Really? And this is, yes, yes, in the millions wow. <laughs> all over the world. And, and how is that turning. compared, like you're, you're saying that it's increasing? So compared to 10 years ago, what would you say? Is yeah. the well, it, because of our medical abilities or, or the great technologies that we develop, we're bringing people back that would have just died before. Mm. And, uh, and we're learning, you know, they're coming back and they're telling their story and they're being told to tell their story. And the, the main things they're being told to tell God is real. Jesus is real. The afterlife is real. There is a, you know, a heaven, uh, if you want to call it that, you know, there's an afterlife and it's, it's home basically. And the, there's an army of people being created uh, that is going to be more powerful than anything else to bring a positive change in this world. Mm. I made it my business to listen uh, every day, I'll listen to one or two from the internet and the stories. I've read books uh, because, you know, you want to get information uh, about how things really are and what better place to get that from uh, than from the creator. I mean, that's what I did when I was working at IBM. Uh, if I, you know, I was a troubleshooter. So there was some training going on. I troubleshot the unified field theory in the end to figure out what the problem was. Well, as a troubleshooter at IBM, I learned that if you want to know how something works, go to the creator of that something and ask them. And I would do that when a component broke down, I would call up the manufacturer or I would call up the test uh, area where the fallout, high fallout was and, and would talk to the designers of the tester of the part of the, of the card under the card assembly. Talk to the creators, find out how it works, study the thing that's failing, and then you eventually, through critical analysis and failure analysis, you'll come to the source of the problem. But you do that by talking to experts, right? Like a good medical model. <laughs> Go to the creator of the... Oh, get me on the medical stuff. There's some problems in that arena. There's some oh, yeah. problems. That's not just the topic of our conversation, but it just made me think of, you know, when I'm dealing with anything physical, you know, I want to go to the source of, you know, creation. There, you know, in the energy field, there is the blueprint for everything that's physical in its proper form and function. And you can connect that to that original blueprint and then let the physical manifestation be a reflection of that. But somewhere along the lines, these interference patterns get brought in and distort the the stream of chi if you will from the blueprint of perfection to the physical and then we have illness or disease imbalances so this um yeah i just see that these different planes of reality you know like 
the, the microcosm and the macrocosm. It's like nesting dolls kind of, you know, everything has its counterpart in another plane. And like you said, when we get outside of the force and the tension of space and time, um, we can experience things that we can't in the physical. And we don't, like there's different laws. Let's say there's like, you know, many laws that govern this dimension and then going outside of this dimension, there's less laws. So less, um, less restraint, less constriction on flow of this um, energy that we're speaking of, this intelligence, this consciousness. So when we can bring that space into the body, like you say, the anti-gravity space into the body, we can get into the flow of the larger, the larger bioflow, if you will, of the, the planet and then beyond into um, the solar system and the intelligence of all the planetary bottom bodies and their harmonious relationship. Like you say, it's not random. So it's- No, no, there's, there's no accidents in this universe. It's everything's created. Everything is a pattern. Everything belongs. Patterns interact with each other create different results and so forth it's all sensible what becomes overwhelming is that we're so constrained and confined while we're inside the body and we're using this brain that is really just an interface device between our soul or consciousness and the physical realm our eyes our ears so forth are all interface devices that somehow magically transform all the sounds the energies that we're taking in and hearing and experiencing and allow us to create a picture in our mind that we call sight and and vision and the sounds in our mind that we call hearing it's a miraculous thing created by the the ultimate creator of things and in many different forms all across the universe not just people you know there's humans there's all kinds of crazy looking creatures out there that hopefully someday we'll get to meet uh, when you know the government stops covering up their existence and we're the general population is finally allowed to uh, meet people from other worlds and, and they could share their knowledge i mean these people are more advanced than us by not just hundreds or thousands of years in many cases millions of years and just think what we could learn if we can get to these people and talk to them, which I'm hoping happens in my lifetime. We'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, about that. But um, there's so much more that we could experience and learn if we could just get out of the, the uh, our head, get our heads out of the sand, so to speak, and, and look up and be allowed to experience all of this all this wonder well i think that's where perspective comes in mark right like if, mm -hmm. if we don't have a perspective that allows that we, we don't have the reference for Better it perspective. you know we're not going to see it we're not going to recognize it we're not going to turn our attention towards it so it's like it's not there so yeah this um these conversations and this um invitation to consider to be open to be curious actually opens the doorway for some of the experiences you're talking about. Um, it reminds me, you know, I have a couple of favorite quotes by um, theoretical physicists. Um, um, David Bohm, I'm sure you've studied his work. Um, he said, consciousness is seeking a form that allows its fullest expression. Mm. And then Carl Sagan said, somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. <laughs> So I put the two together and the platform for my show is consciousness is seeking a form that allows something incredible to be known. And I think this kind of conversation is that form, this being curious and open and not being certain, right? I don't think, you know, either of us have come in here with absolute certainty about our perspectives. I mean, we have certain experiences that we're certain about and you and your science you have some certainty but also mixed with a healthy dose of um, being willing to be wrong 
if proven wrong and it's um, valid, you know, we're willing to let go of what used to serve us that no longer does. Well, the, yeah, the, the truth, what we're both trying to do and people who listen to the show, they want the truth. They want knowledge. Knowledge is what it's all about. Learning what's, you know, what's really real uh, and, and having that accurate, non-judgmental kind of information. This is the way it is, you know, electrons exist. This is their behavior knowing everything that you can know about it so you can understand how it exists, how it moves. That's even a mystery to physicists. They don't like to talk about how particles move. They use kinematics, which is basically a, a belief in that we're gonna use, we're gonna acknowledge that things move, but we're not gonna talk about the cause of that motion. And so we have this whole breakdown of knowledge because they just say, hey, well, we're going to use the motion, but we're not going to talk about how it moves. And Einstein wanted to talk about that. And, and I seek an equation, the same thing that he wanted to know was the cause of particle motion. That's incredibly important to understand. That's a reality. That's part of this reality. It drives the entire universe because everything happens cause of motion through the medium. It creates the forces. I mean, you read my book, I mean, I can go on for 15, 20 minutes just on that. Gravity is caused by the accelerated motion of unbalanced charges. That's the quickest way I could just say it. That those, when charges move in this way, they cause the contraction of space. And you can also use uh, charges in motion in a linear form to create an expansion of space. And, and these, this is your basic foundational fundamental knowledge that's been kind of abandoned. So, you know, we're changing, I'm trying to change the perspective uh, of everyone, especially the scientists, by getting them to acknowledge this reality. You know, it's, it's kind of the same discussion as the person, people who, who talk about if a tree falls in the forest. And there's nobody there to hear it. Does it make a sound? There's going to be two. There's going to be two uh, discussion discussions on arguments about this. If you're not there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. And then there's the rest of us who say that reality is real, whether we're there to hear it or not. And if that tree falls in that forest, it will make a sound, whether we're here to, whether we're there to hear it or not. And, and those two parties will never come to an agreement on that because one of them is requiring the consciousness to be there to, to verify it, to observe it. And the other is not. And, and you know which one I belong to, which <laughs> philosophy there. <laughs> and, you know, and I'd love to discuss this with people. And, and the key to really making an advancement and anything like that it's just to not take it personal and just keep trying to see if you can get the other person to accept the possibility that it could be the, the, the other way. And, and you know, you gotta be able to accept that until you have some sort of evidence. Since I'm part scientist, I really, you know, a metaphysician. I am not a physicist. I wanna make that perfectly clear. I'm self-taught physicist, metaphysician. So, um, so I can talk about this stuff, like it or not. <laughs> and and um, somebody's got to bring up these things. Somebody's got to talk about this stuff. This is tough to, stuff to talk about, but it's important. We're talking about the foundation of our very reality, of who we are, of our existence, and, and trying to make sense of it all. Isn't that really what you want to do is it makes sense what's going on here know it and, and feel like that we yeah i've always wondered why no one else was as curious about it as i was but then i just relaxed about it and realized you know that's not everybody's role everyone has their specific 
reasons for being attracted to what they're attracted to. And that's a mystery. We don't know why we're attracted to what we're attracted to because it's what's moving through this instrument that's, that's attracted to certain things. And to get curious about why we're attracted to what we're attracted to gives us a sense of what our role is, where we can have an impact. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't judge people who aren't on that. I, sometimes I actually envy them because they're not driven like I am to, um, to research. Well, much, but yeah, it's, it's a, a rare breed. I mean, this is not something I can go around the neighborhood. There's one guy in my, in my neighborhood is interested in this stuff. Uh, but for the most part, people just are happy to sit down in front of the TV every night and watch uh, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or and I've done more than my fair share of that. <laughs> and, you know, it goes back to what you said before, we're here to love and they're probably, you know, all those. That's really what are, it's all about. They're loving, you know, their families and they're, they're making just as much of a contribution. It's just different. Yeah, we probably, we've overcomplicated things. It really comes back to what God said to Father Rick Wendell on the other side. Just love one another. Yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be amazed if you do that one thing. You stop having wars. You stop arguing politically. You stop arguing, period. And you just do the one thing that makes everything work, which is love one another. I mean, it's the last sentence of my book basically says that. And again, that was before. It just came to me. You know, a lot of this stuff just flowed. I wrote every day. I wrote and let it flow out. Then I then I went back like ten times and edited it. But you know, once I got on the subject, I started writing continuously, writing, writing, writing. Don't don't stop. You know, just keep going with the ideas, let them flow, and then go back later and, and then order them, make them make sense, and and so forth. And um, it, it's 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 remarkably simple. The solution to everything comes from love. Everything. I think that is a um, a tenant in the scientific community is that um, when you find a simple solution that solves lots of problems, you're on to something. Yeah, Occam's Razor, I think it is. That, is that what it's called? I yeah, I can look that up real quick. Occam's Razor. It's the simplest solution is usually the correct one, yeah. something something to that effect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. I mean, that's what we, we do in our um, Qigong practice is to really try to make it as simple and effortless as we can, not to overcomplicate, but to let the forces that are co-inspiring your experience to move move you be moved instead of being the mover know that you're being moved through also you know we're not always the doer we're being done through and to pay attention to what's doing through us which is what you say you know it's the god we're inside this god space whatever our term preferred term is for it to acquiesce to although personal well is important to acquiesce to the divine well I, I, that's the that's the plan I was talking about, uh, where you work in agreement with God on a plan, the divine will. Oh. And I found when you do that, you don't try to do your own will, which most people do. They'll say, I want to make a lot of money. I don't care how. And they go out and they do it some way or another. So they're really working on their will. That wasn't really the plan. The plan could have been something where, yeah, you'll be successful, but along the way, you're going to be doing something that you love, that's important, that's going to help people, and you'll, you know, make some money. But you get sidetracked by the greed, and you do your will, and then then things happen because of that. You get out of balance. You have troubles. You have all kinds of experiences that you know are somewhat negative. 
But when you do what is, when you discover what it is, what your heart tells you to do, and you do that, the universe works with you mm -hmm. to help you. It starts giving you clues. Right. You know, you start seeing things along the highway. I'm, I'm driving home from a long trip to North Carolina. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get this word out there? How am I going to, how am I going to get this thing I'm working on to work? What am I going to do? And then I get this urge suddenly to look to the right and I see a sign on the highway and it says, you have the winning hand. That's all it says. Oh, put that there. But that kind of was like the answer saying, don't worry about it. You're holding the winning hand. And it was basically answering my question. Yeah. So when you are working in agreement with the father to, to make things better, to do what you came to do, the universe then, universe, guardian angels, guardian spirits, they start sending you messages one way or another. Somebody will say something to you that rings a bell in your head. Say, hey, that makes sense. I'm going to try that. And that sort of thing is starting to happen now. And just go with it. And I say, good, that's telling me I'm on the right track. Yeah. Well, you are on the right track. I'm, I'm glad that our tracks came together today and we could spend this time together. Mm -hmm. um, you want to share anything about how people can stay in touch with you? Your yeah. site address or yeah. what's your purpose? My website address is www.super-relativity.com. And from there, you can find my YouTube page. There's a button at the bottom of the screen in the YouTube page. Uh, you can find my articles on research. It's kind of the hub uh, to getting to my other social media. I don't know that I have a fa Facebook link there. I don't think I put a Facebook, but I do have a Facebook page. You can look me up and friend me there if you like if you're interested in this stuff and i announce you know when i'm going to be on shows and so forth so when this one's up you send me a link and and i'll uh, send people over to watch it and uh, put that on facebook so basically facebook youtube and my website are the three ways you can you can contact me through my website send me a message if you want all right well thank you so much congratulations on um having the winning hand and finishing your book and being in a place in your life where you get to go out and share it now. It's like, yeah, making it Perhaps. available, making something known, something incredible known. Well, it was nice to share the adventure with you today. And that's what it is. We're on an adventure. So it was fun doing it. And I appreciate yeah, you. I had fun too. And uh, they say all conversations should feel like an adventure. I feel like the well we did that today <laughs> we did indeed all right mark it was a pleasure to be with you thank you we'll stay bye. in touch bye-bye all right bye for now